Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. In your personal top 10 games of all times list, what is the outlier? And what's the one game that you wouldn't expect to find on anybody else's list? That is the question posed by Waypoint forum goer Sky Ridge. It is our topic today on Waypoint Radio, episode 155. I'm Danielle Riendo. Joining me today here in Lobby One on this sunny uh, New York day is, of course, Austin Walker. That's me. I didn't hear the second part of that question before, so I'm excited that there's kind of like double whammy in there. Yeah, A little extra in there. I actually didn't realize it was in there until I just looked again for the cold open. I was like, yeah, that's good. I'm going to throw that in there. And of course, joining me as well. I don't know if it's sunny up there in Boston, but Rob Zachney. It is very sunny. Oh, good. Makes me very (laughs) happy. It's different from the weird fog that like closed over Boston a few days ago. Yeah. Uh, it was very like end of the world stuff. It was the yog. That's what happened. I think the yog <laughs> came to Boston, uh, but now you're rebuilding and you're living your life. We streamed the yog this morning, so I've got a lot of yog on the brain. Now the yog is not in my personal top ten. Uh, I think it's great. It's on the edge of mine. Yeah, uh, it's reflected in mine via some other games. Okay. Is what I would say. That's totally cool. I think the way to do this, uh, since I just thought this was such a fun, awesome topic, it would right. garner some good discussion, and it was a you know forum topic this week. Yeah, who's the, who did the forum topic? Oh, uh, this is Skyridge. Shout Skyridge. Thank you, Skyridge. That's a great topic. Great thread. Really excited uh, about the discussion going on in there. I figured we could all share our top tens. And we could kind of discuss what's an outlier and right. what what's a game we don't expect to be on, if not anybody else's list, like yeah. many people's yeah. list. You yeah. know, the one that's kind of like, oh, that's interesting, that sort of thing. Uh, Austin, do you want to go first? Sure. It, I, my mm. No, you don't want to go first. Oh, so I have two thoughts. <laughs> okay. I'm me, which means that right. my list is 12 things long instead of 10. I mean, yeah, I have... no. It's That's un- not okay. It's unordered. Yeah, well, it's- okay, listen, just wait until you get to Danielle's then. Yeah. Uh, Danielle has <laughs> entries that are two different games on the uh, same. One of them is up to five. Yeah. What? Wait, like one one spot holds like five different one games? One of them might be a series because I have a different favorite in it every day. So. Okay, that's it's fine for this to be provisional. I just want this to be like today's oh, thing is This is blah. provisional. This is all provisional, uh, for so, sure. But the more important thing is I'm having a hard time seeing what an outlier is, except... I think I have it worked out, but it's like a weird meta outlier. Okay. That's so, all right. You're in a safe space also. I know, I know, but I'm saying maybe we shouldn't start with me. Okay. We should start with one that's like, oh, here are 10 games. Like, I'm, it sounds like Rob might have picked 10 games, unlike you and I, Danielle. <laughs> and hear what they are and then talk about the outlier. That way we can set like a standard. Yeah, there we go. Rob, do you want to set the standard uh, for Waypoint right now? <laughs> okay, well. Uh, oh, is yours is also though, compromised? Because... <laughs> is it? No. No, uh, it is 10 games. Okay. But the thing I'll say is, like, look, I am a child of 90s PC gaming. Okay. Yeah. 
and that's just who I am. Do you have to apologize? Yeah, All of yourself. our lists are going to look like no top ten list ever anywhere. That's correct. Welcome to Waypoint, All right. motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. All right, so ten is Silent Hunter 3. Okay. Sure. That's a submarine game? Nine. Pardon? It's a submarine game? Yeah, it is. Okay. It's, a, right. uh, it's, it's a U-boat sim. Okay. Uh, nine is Fear, a.k.a. First Encounter Assault Recon. Good. Not Fear 3. 3 isn't in there, right? No. Okay. No, not for Threar. <laughs> so I have I have a soft spot for Fear 3, but I also have some I have some beef. Fear, Fear 3 has a mech, so you know. I see. Yeah. I see. Those sections aren't uh, that good. Anyway, continue. Eight, Close Combat 2, Bridge Too Far. Seven, the very first medieval total war. Okay. Six, free space two. Uh-huh. Oh, all right. Five is Alpha Centauri. Uh-huh. Four is Last Express. Yeah. Three is Dishonored. Awesome. Two is Tie Fighter. I just added another game as you were going down this list. I was like, I have to add Tie Fighter to this <laughs> we list. We got to thirteen. And one is Stalker Shadow Chernobyl. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. It seems like a very Rob. That's a very Rob list. list. I'm curious what the outlier in that list is for you. Hmm. I mean, the two there, there actually, there's actually it depends on how you want to look at things, right? There's it only does. one adventure game on that list. Yeah, yeah Last uh, Express the is Last the Express. one that popped up for me. I was thinking yeah. Dishonored, actually. Mm. But more for the stealth stuff than the immersive sim stuff. Right. But With like, Stalker can, and Dishonored, yeah. you have an immersive sim like tradition. Like they, they might yeah. end up in radically different places, but like if someone's into Stalker, like it doesn't surprise me that they're into Dishonored or vice versa, That's right? True. Deus Ex yeah. nearly made this list. Oh. And like that also would have been of a piece with those. Okay. Uh you know, TIE Fighter and Free Space Two are two space combat sims. Right. So they yeah. kind of are of a piece. Medieval Total War close combat, you know. Historical wargaming, uh, strategy gaming, not not huge surprises there. So the ones that end up being kind of oddballs, I think, Fear is the most like basic like shooter-ass shooter on that list. Yeah. But there are still first-person shooters on the list, which means that Silent Hunter 3, I think, you know, at the 10 position, is kind of the, the weirdo yeah. of the group because it's... A submarine sim. Like, most of your time spent in this game is learning how to input, like, torpedo firing Yeah, I'm with you, but, like, isn't that just an extension of what makes TIE Fighter so cool? As, like, it's a double down on systems management and, like, thinking about, like, uh, vehicles as more than just a, a wheel and a gas pedal and a gun. Do you know what I mean? True, though I think maybe it's even closer peer than is almost dishonored. Hmm. Uh, because, hmm. like, so TIE Fighter is very action-oriented. It is very systems management as well. Like, the name of the game in all the LucasArts uh, space combat sims is, like, managing your power settings yep. and what's your firepower versus your speed and defensive power, your shields. Those games are uh, good. They're very, very good. Uh, Silent Hunter 3 is... Like, yes, you're a warship, but really you're an assassin. Right. Like, you cannot, you can't fight anybody in this game. If it's a, if it's a fight you're in, that probably means you are just utterly doomed and, <laughs> and are going to be killed pretty quickly. And so a lot of Silent Hunter 3 is all about sort of studying your target, anticipating their movements, working your way closer and closer and closer to the point where you can launch the attack 
and then get out of there before you're ever detected. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you'll leave burning ships behind you. People will know you were there, but you will not be. Right. That's interesting. I can see that. I can see that connection. Yeah, there's there's something there. There's definitely... I also... Um, God. I want to talk a little bit more about your adventure game. Yeah, that's also uh, where of, my head is. Sort of area here. Because that's definitely the one that feels the most off for me but I, yeah. like it has it has the touches of the rest of your list yeah but doesn't have the inter- the same like verbs yes you know what are you thinking right. about Pr- practically yeah. none of them yeah. um i mean it's connected to the others via history uh like if if a war game decided to become an adventure game it would become the last express i think is is right. how i would right. put that nice. right uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the Last Express is the Panzer General of uh, adventure games. But it is kind of the odd one because it is probably the most purely narrative uh, of the games and remains, you know, I mean, I, I did my guide to games on this. You know, yeah. I've, I've sort of, I, I've written about this game in a few places, but it is a story and a setting that has really stuck with me uh, over the years. And I think the other part of it is... There are a few games here that like really resonated with me as a kid, but like The Last Express was something that kind of changed my relationship to history. Because right. like when you're a kid, um, and this is a really good Three Moves Ahead uh, that we did with Chris Rima. One of my uh, favorite on podcasts, yes. period. It's fantastic. People should go listen to the Three Moves Ahead on on uh, Last Express. But in that on that show, I think I said something similar to what I'm about to say now, which is um. You know, if you're a kid, particularly like an American kid growing up in the 90s, it's really tempting to believe in history as this narrative of progress <laughs> and good guys winning in the end. Um, and so the the 90s are very like greatest generation nostalgia, all this shit. And along comes The Last Express, and I play that. And The Last Express is to an extent explicitly about the ba- explicitly connected to the Balkan Wars of the 90s. <laughs> but it's also its own self-contained story. And playing this game, like, really puts in sharp relief, like, oh, for people in the world, for a lot, like, for a lot of people in the world around the outbreak of World War I, this was not a story that ever came out right the other side. You know, if if you were, you know, Austrian Jewish, like history did not go the right way. The good guys did not win in the end, or except perhaps until so far out in the future, it, it didn't, didn't do you and your family any good. Yeah. Uh, if you were, you know, if, if you were somebody who was just sort of swept up into that and was just hoping for life to go back to peace, stability, prosperity, eh, for the next 30 or 40 years in Europe, like the name of the game is going to be catastrophic war. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, it was kind of revolutionary to me when I was playing it is like, Oh shit. The end, of, the ending of this is utterly hopeless. Uh, and it's at the start of history that I know very, very well, but it's recast it as this process of like utter sundering mm-hmm. of the order. And there were like, and say what you will, that order existed and there weren't, Hundreds of thousands, thousands of people being killed on the front lines every day during that war, uh, during during that order. Now you can argue that suffering was like transposed elsewhere. Right, other people were absolutely suffering at that point in time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the 
just were not necessarily in a position to for their histories to be written bo- as boldly or as as you know um, uh, as in front of I us, guess. yeah, prominently. Yeah. Thank you. Um, as those in in control, right? Um, right. Though I will say that there is like another similarity here. I think between that game and Stalker, in a sense, uh, mm-hmm. tonally and in terms of like. You know, I kind of want the Stalker game that's set after The Last Express, um, which I guess is like a yeah. Sir, You Being Hunted is maybe that game in retrospect. Uh, but like, you know, there is that sort of like, OK, well, what does that world look like? What does the, the – tonally, is history progress or is history a collection of events lined up one after the other? Um, and, and progress is is a much – Slippery, much more slippery thing. Um, I think tonally, the outcome of The Last Express and the outcome of Stalker, one of the you know, some of the outcomes of Stalker are pretty in line with each other in that respect. That's very true. I mean, and both are explicitly about um, the end of empires mm-hmm. to an extent, and what empires leave in their wake. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, what I was trying to, I think, grope my way towards uh, when I was talking about order and such is that. Everybody in the Last Express, all the empires that are presented there, there's no way out for them. There's no way to take it all back and walk back from the empire, walk back from the precipice and say, like, we can redistribute this power. This doesn't have to be settled on the field of battle. Uh, we can we can stop being these imperialist powers armed to the teeth and at each other's throat all the time. And the Last Express, none of them are going to be able to escape from that. And they're going to basically consume each other, including a lot of the oppressed peoples and marginalized right. groups within those empires. They're also going to suffer. And like that's just part of what these empires have sort of set in motion. The minute you become a great empire, you're also sort of setting the stage for what the end of that empire is going to look like. Uh, and Stalker is also like pretty explicitly concerned with what the breakup of the Soviet Union left behind and the market right. leaves on the people who are part of it. Yeah, I, I – there is also – you know, the, the interesting thing in Stalker is that there is – and again, I've only played 12 hours of Stalker maybe in my life. It's high on my list of games that I want to get to at some point. Um, there are – there is a – there are different sorts of people in the world of Stalker and many of them are a sort of aftershock of – of an imperial regime or of a militant regime or of, or of like a, a military complex, right? Like you have your mercenary groups. You have your like hyper-militarized um, crews that go through the zone. Um, you also though do have those people at the bottom rung, those who lived nearby the mm-hmm. the disaster, those who to today are still at the bottom rung or in, to, to today in that setting. Um, and those characters – their history is written a little bit there, right? Which is interesting. Like the camera drops a little bit from the mapped level to the on the ground level. And so, you know, the, the kind of memes around Stalker, the like like the guitar players around the campfire, the like, hey Stalker, like all of those people, they are like the people at the bottom of the of the ladder who are just kind of struggling to get through day to day. Um and you know, there is almost a sense of like you're not gonna. You're not gonna fix things. You're not gonna ever make those people go. They're not, they don't have much to go back to. What they had before was at least stable and safe. But you're never even. You are even never gonna get back there. And so I do see some some allegiance between or some some affinity between those two games um, in in outcome or in in mood at least. 
Yeah. Well, now you got me thinking about. Uh, sorry, just just mm. a, a point. the The ending of the Last Express is showing a map of Europe and its borders changing, right, uh, over the years. As again, empires rise, fall, nations are created, and then then sort of shattered. Uh, but I'm sort. I'm also sort of thinking about like how the characters of Stalker are like explicitly people without a country right. to an extent. They are prisoners inside this like. Uh, you know, Cherno- this exclusion zone, basically, around Chernobyl. Uh, and, like, one of the first things you encounter in the world of Stalker is um, you are still subject to state violence and control. Right. The, you start out next to a checkpoint right. uh, where basically you're being harangued by the state day in and day out as the checkpoint guards basically tell you what, you know, pieces of shit you are and, like, you don't even think about trying to escape here. Um, and if you go, try to approach that checkpoint, you will be shot. Right. Like, it is at the edge of the map, but you can't go. Well, you can go there if you're heavily armed enough. Mm. But you're not supposed to go. Can yeah. you get out? Can you kill them no. and leave? No? No, because I think the idea is, like, it's one of those, like, double checkpoints where, like, that's the uh, inner ring. And then gotcha. there's the outer ring you can never escape. But I'm pretty sure I have overrun that checkpoint at least once. Good. Uh, Fuck them. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's that's another theme in that game is that, like... The state is still there. The state flies helicopters and assault troops into the zone all the time and, and, and fucks with you. Uh, and it sort of controls people's movements uh, and freedom uh, within the zone. But it doesn't care about you, and it's not going to provide any aid. It's just a sort of controlling exclusionary force. It's funny. I just realized, too, one of the games on your list that goes the other way with this. And, in fact, maybe to – for me, to its detriment is Dishonored which imagines the fall of the old order and then puts you in the position. First of all, you are someone who fought to, to keep the old order. Yeah. Uh, and then our, our, the order falls apart and then you reestablish it. The, the end game, the end goal for you there is to put the genie back in the bottle and reestablish a more noble old order uh, as it was. You know, you can't put the empress back on the throne, but you can do the next best thing. That's true. Um, which is not like, you know, we've had good. I think Yusef Cole has written for us about that series uh, and that part of that series. But I think that's an, that's an interesting contrast to the Last Express specifically, right? Because that's the it's very much drawing on a similar period of history to to craft its sort of industrial fantasy world. So that's well, true. Dishonored Two is like. Dishonored 2 is definitely playing around with the idea that, like, Emily Caldwin has not turned out all that great yeah. as a ruler. Like, <laughs> yeah. she's been okay, but a lot of stuff has been allowed allowed to flourish, uh, you know, at the fringes of her empire and places. She just hasn't really paid attention. Um, it's sort of explicitly... It, it's, it's made very clear that um, the people who deposed you, the sort of, like, oppressive nobles and aristocrats who were behind all this, they've been there the entire time. They've, you know, right. if, if you if your character cared, you could have seen it happening. You just didn't because, yeah. you know, you didn't – as long as you didn't hear the screaming coming from other parts <laughs> yeah. of the empire, then who really gave a damn? Uh, and so I think Dishonored is interesting because you are – for you, you are repeatedly put in this position of uh, being sort of a restorationist of placing, putting the old order back together. But at the end of Dishonored, the outsider is even kind of sardonic about, like, yeah. what they're going to say about Emily Caldwin is she did the best she could in a flawed world. Right. That is that is the good ending of that game, right. is the way, you're, the way this role is going to remember it is they did the best they could, um, which is pretty uninspiring. Uh, it reminds me a lot of um, one of the first things that a character tells you in Mafia 3, 
at the end of the day, his best didn't amount to a whole lot, did right. it? Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. God, Mafia 3 has some fucking endings in that game. Anyway. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah. Sure has some damn endings. I guess the last question, though, Rob, would be, of course, and this one might be a little easy, uh, if there's a game <sighs> you wouldn't expect to find on anybody else's list <laughs> on there. Uh... It's your summary. Well, we cross Tie Fighter off the list. Uh, <laughs> no, I think Silent Hunter probably. Maybe I don't think I don't anybody's going to be getting on that Silent Hunter band yeah. right with me. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not Close Combat Two either. Mm. I think a lot of those games are t- toughies to find. I don't know, not toughies, but you know, there. That was All a right. very Rob Zachney list, which yeah. is perfect. So that's ten games. All yes, right. ten games that were chosen carefully with some pain. Can I not have discomfort. numbers on mine? You don't have to have numbers. I have ten. I've cut. I've cut. I've cut it down to ten. Okay. Can I do my ten? Yes, you can. Do it. It's not in any order. King of Dragon Pass. Okay. Invisible Ink. Mm-hmm. Dragon's Dogma. Mm-hmm. Far Cry Two. Okay. Knights of the Old Republic Two. Good. Streets of Rage Two. Breath of the Wild. Two. Two. Uh, Morrowind, Tecmo Super Bowl, and Romance of the Three Kingdoms, ten. All right. Um, All right. There are this, – this is the thing. You is, can do your honorable mentions. You are allowed. No. All right. Well, I'm going to do mine. So I'm not. All right. Letter of the Law right now. Okay. So I'm going I'm to force myself to live by it. All right. They're, they're hard cuts. You know that one of them is TIE Fighter, which I added. I know. In I was like, oof. There are two others that, that will not go mentioned. Okay. Um, the 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 one there are the thing that was really hard for me to figure out what I thought was my outlier was that it forced me to think about what the what was the most powerful through line between the rest and how we judge things as sets mm-hmm. um, and so like the obvious one of the first ones like oh Tecmo Super Bowl is the only sports game right that's a, that's a pretty obvious way to think about this um, and. But that type of action does sort of permeate in other totally. of those. Sorry, and and, and playmaking yeah. and strat and yeah. strategizing, um, and you know, especially once you start thinking about like part of what is attractive to me about Tecmo Super Bowl, not Tecmo Bowl, Tecmo Super Bowl, is that it's the first sports game that let you track stats across a season. Mm. And so, like Romance of the Three Kingdoms, ten is that, but for Chinese history, yep. <laughs> for this this three hundred year period <laughs> of Chinese history or two hundred year, uh, one hundred thirty year. Anyway. Um, so the that there is a commonality there, and like I obviously the action is is different, but like the action is actually way closer to Streets of Rage two, and that's direct action is very arcadey. Um, it communicates a lot with very little. Um, I think on, during lunch today, I actually cracked what I think is the outlier here, um, and it's the opposite of the second question. The, the second question is what is the game that you think would not be on anybody else's list? The outlier in this list is Breath of the Wild, which is the only one I could imagine in the top 10 of somebody else's list. Gotcha. Uh, or not the only one I could imagine. Um, Maybe the most common one. But the the one that I could imagine on like an outlet's top 10 list of all time. Sure, sure. And it's the one that is, I think, smoothest and cleanest and isn't janky and doesn't have some, you know, major technical problems. <laughs> um, I, could, I guess I could imagine Morrowind there too. And there are, other, there are other affinities between it and a lot of other games. There's lots of open world games on this list. Dragon's yeah. Dogma, Morrowind, Breath of the Wild... Uh, are all uh, even even Romance of the Three Kingdoms ten when you're playing it as like an individual officer, all open world games, uh, all about exploration, um, all about kind of like learning an environment and and doing side quests and all that stuff. Um, but even Far Cry two fits that to, to some degree. Yeah. Even even Knights of the Old Republic two to some degree. But uh, it's the only one there that is like 
hey, this is like a super well-made, polished product that has its issues. Like I, I you know, obviously would be remiss to, to not say that like, oh, yeah, it has some transphobic elements and like it has some other shitty stuff that or it's dropped the ball. Uh, but it is it is the only game that feels like it's been put through hundreds and thousands and thousands of hours of QA um, and has produced a very polished aesthetic because of that compared to something like Dragon's Dogma, which is super rough around the edges and is kind of stock fantasy in places um, uh, or, or even something like um, like uh, uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2, especially something like Knights of the Old Republic 2, which shipped missing its like a lot of its ending. Wow. It's just not in there. Like a lot of the ending is there in text in a text in in files hidden on the disc, but not in the actual game. It was never oh, implemented. Right. Yeah. Um, but you can get all that stuff. Modders right? have since made it, but I played that game originally without any of that stuff and loved it. So, uh that stuff's great. I love all like play the the Sith Lords restoration mod or whatever if you're going to play that game, but it's it's uh even without it it's a, it's a game I really fucking love. Just uh-huh. Tell me a little bit on Dragon's Dogma. Um, so my favorite thing Wait. about Dragon's Dogma is that – so it's, it's tough now because the experience I had with Dragon's Dogma is different than the one you would have if you bought it today. If you bought it today, you'd be playing – you'd be buying the pack with the DLC built in and a few things that made the game much easier uh, in terms of the um, the basic – like game flow mm-hmm. you have you the time of the dark arisen the dark arisen game. yeah totally i yeah. love i love that version too i'm in the middle of a playthrough of it it's like a game i go back to once every three or four weeks i like dip in for a night uh to kind of like clear the cleanse my palate a little bit yeah. um it uh so the thing the biggest thing that changes is it gives you an eternal fairy stone that lets you go between a few key places on the map instantly but to begin with you had very few fast travel options um and so you were just constantly going across this you know, very pretty um, – pretty is the wrong word. It's dreary but like me- very melancholic late fantasy kind of um, world where everything feels like it's on the precipice of falling apart and it is, right? Uh, you were playing the Arisen. You were playing this – This uh, it's sort of like a Dark Soulsy type character in the sense of like, oh, you're undead. You're undead in this game. You die, a dragon kills you and then you wake back up. Um, and But the rest of the world is not like that. The rest of the world is like – is the is the kind of not Arthurian, but like uh, fantasy knightly, you know, culture that is just about to fall apart because of corruption and cults and political intrigue. Um, and the writing is not great, uh, but it is evocative of all of these emotions that I'm talking about, all of these kind of feelings of of decay. Um, the action is really, really fun. The the uh, it's actually the closest. It's probably actually closest to Streets of Rage two in some sense, okay. in that it's really great to string combos together. There are lots of classes that have very unique feeling combos. Um, the ma- the like magic archer feels like something kind of like Panzer Dragoon where you're painting targets with this magical bow and then letting go and seeing, like, eight different magical bolts of energy fly out, whereas the, um, the uh, you know, the, the Strider is, like, a quick-ranged character who runs up and attacks with daggers, or, like, the Heavy Knight has, like, a magical shield that they can summon cool little, like, sigils that, that can protect an AoE around them, or the, like, actual wizard and sorcerer classes can straight up just, like, oh, yeah, meteors are falling from the skies, <laughs> you know? Uh, and all of that stuff... 
feels so it's the team that makes that makes Monster Hunter. It's the Monster Hunter team. I think that there is some it's a Capcom game. I think that there is some uh, Devil May Cry in there also. Uh, and so everything has is really snappy feeling, but it's set in this world that is anything but that. Right, like Monster Hunter is meant to feel like rambunctious and exuberant. Uh, and and Devil May Cry is meant to feel badass and like kind of like scary, but like punk rock demons. You know what I mean? Like yeah, even cool old demons. even old They're Devil May Cry is right. Is like Dante's wearing a red leather jacket and eating pizza. <laughs> um, this takes itself very seriously uh, in a way that to me is like really charming and endearing because I don't know that it has you know it's Capcom trying to make an action oriented um, Skyrim and. They're not doing that. Like, you're not going to read the books in this game, really. Um, but there was just enough there with the lore and the setting to pull you in. And, like, it, it felt like a reset for me on fantasy in that there's a moment when a griffin shows up out of nowhere and just eats a big cow and just, like, takes off with a cow. And the, the city guard is like, yo, there's a griffin. Uh, and you feel like that because so far you, you fought a cyclops, you fought a bunch of bandits and goblins and stuff. When the griffin shows up, and it's like a real object, it's not a cut scene, like, the griffin shows up yeah. and then they were fighting a griffin for a few minutes as it's trying to steal this this uh, this caravan away. Um, everything has this deep physicality to it. Uh, it's, it's a game sort of like Shadow of the Colossus where you're climbing on things a lot. Uh, and it's just, a, it's, a, it's a really fascinating blend um, of all of the stuff that is packaged in, and this is where the, the fast travel stuff comes in, a really difficult game when it comes to resource management. Um, it's a game where the night is pitch black, like it's actually dark. It's hard to see where you're going. And so many of the game's missions are about leaving your hub and going off into the night. Um, and it replicated this amazing feel for me of what playing kind of a certain brand of tabletop role-playing game feels like. Um, not the sort that I tend to play these days, which is very narrative-focused and very um, focused on, like, rolling cinematic action and instead the kind that is about like hey did you pack enough rations hey like are you really ready for this trip nitty-gritty stuff nitty-gritty stuff yeah. but also i mean that has its roots in a sort of fantasy literature also yeah. right like there is there is like did we pack enough of the of the oven lembus bread, bread to, yeah, yeah to, to make this trip and that that is exactly the game rob like it is did i pack enough greenwares can i can which is like an herb that you can splice into other herbs to create curatives did i bring enough anti-fire stuff like okay the quest says i'm going to this castle what do i know about what's between here and there all right i remember i can cut through this secret tunnel but it's got i'm probably gonna run into bandits and maybe a troll there so i have to bring fire arrows because the troll is weak to the fire arrows and you just the the map like really unfolds itself to you and you're, you're doing a lot of quests in the same places but it's it's that feeling of like playing an open world game like Saints Row or GTA where like it becomes embedded in your mind that you know, you know, the dream of those games is like you get into the car chase, but you know the world better than the AI knows the world. And so you know where the secret is or, or the secret shortcut is or whatever. That's this, except it's about it's about journeys. It's about like it's like if what if you were playing Darkest Dungeon and then you like you opened up the map and it was like, oh, actually, because you've run enough things in the ruins, you know, a secret route from this room to this other room way across the map. Uh, and it just feels cool to learn that entire pl that entire thing. There's a lot there. There's a lot more that I could talk about around like your little AI buddy. You can recruit AI buddies from your friends and they learn they learn the world as they go off and go on journeys. And so they'll come back and say stuff like, you know, um, if they fought an enemy that you've never fought before uh, because one of your friends borrowed them to go fight and do that quest, they could be like, oh, hey, it's weak to ice. Like, hey, Arisen, it's weak to ice. And like, oh, OK, cool. I'll use my ice attack. Um, they don't know when to shut up. 
Uh, it's really <laughs> annoying if you're the sort of person who hates repetition and vocal, like the same voice uh, clips over and over and over again. But it just works for me. Like it's just like for whatever reason, it just completely transports me to that space in a way that, like, for me, Breath of the Wild is the sequel to Dragon's Dogma. I didn't yeah. get. Yeah. Um, a lot of the same stuff happened there. And it's part of why I was surprised that people loved Breath of the Wild was like, <laughs> y'all, this is, you should go play Dragon's Dogma. It's like this, but like rougher and with some more interesting ideas. Um, I could go on about Dragon's Dogma all day, which is why it's probably realistically in my top five. Yeah. Um, the, I guess the, the other big outlier here is King of Dragon Pass. It is the only like. That one, I don't know what it is. Boy, we should play honest. King of Dragon Pass. Rob, have you played that? No, oh my um, god! I mean, it comes up a lot. It's come up a lot on Three Moves Ahead. We uh, should, you should, we should play King of Dragon Pass. That should be a stream one day. Uh, it, it, we don't have the time right now because it's not a sit I'm down and play today. once. One no, day. but I mean, it's, we don't. It could be a, it could be a stream when we're done with XCOM BattleTech Stellaris. Like, I got you. you know what I mean? Okay, it's one of those. Um, yeah, right. so it's from the late nineties, uh, nineteen ninety nine. It's set in the Glorantha universe, which is a tabletop role playing game universe. Duck monks. The duck monks are from okay. are from King of Dragon Pass. Duck yes, um, so you play a ring of n- n- Norse Wait. adjacent like people. You basically are running a town. You're running a town. You've escaped from the evil pharaohs. You've gone north and are settling in this fantasy. It's a fantasy world. Like um, Hero Quest, Rune Quest are set in the same fantasy world. Uh, and you have a council of people who all represent or who are all from a different kind of um, uh, religious background. They each have a different kind of god or goddess that they worship. Uh, and it is your job to like make sure you have enough cows and to make sure that the gods are pleased and to sometimes go on a hero quest where like everybody gets together and does a bunch of drugs presumably and then like slips into the realm of heroes and recreates the great myths of old. And it's like a point and click. It's like a visual novel meets a, like a city builder. Like, you're building okay. out your town. You're deciding whether or not to invest in better, like, um, fences and how much land to convert from trees, from forests into into farmland. But also there's politics because there are other tribes that you need to, like, gain like, – Keep your relationship with. Um, and then there's like random events where like a big tree person will wander into town. <laughs> Sorry, there's a weird noise a over there. A tree person wandered into town. A tree person wandered into this, into this room happened. just now. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's just – it's so flavorful. Um, if you are curious about it, two things. One, I did a stream of King of Dragon Pass, a giant bomb. Uh, I did one years ago at Stream Friends too, but I don't know if that one's anywhere. But the giant bomb one should be up. Um, and then I also – I don't know that I can recommend it fully because it's been too long. Um, but like a decade ago, I read the Let's Play of King of Dragon Pass that's up on LPArchive.org. So again, I can't vouch for the con. I don't know if there are like shitty jokes. I don't yeah, know if there are like yeah. – what- I don't know if I should put content warnings on it or not. But 10 years ago, 11 years ago, I read it and loved it. Um, it's a super long Let's Play. It's a text-based Let's Play. Uh, and it is um, really, really fun to see like all <laughs> – it's a great intro to the world because the character – the kind of goal of the game is to unify all these disparate clans and become the queen or king of them uh, and to kind of take over and create a new culture or a new like unified set like place in that world, which is what happens in that fantasy world, right? But without questioning the political order of the time, huh? That's well, no, because you are constantly doing that, right? Oh. Like you are – 
the entire thing is like, okay, who is in charge of your ring? Is your ring, um, you know, it's good. It's the, the gods favor if someone from one of these three different uh godly orders or whatever religious orders is your clan leader or is your tri- is your council leader but you could put you know uh, humak the god of death there instead or instead of putting orlanth there who is the the kind of father of the gods you could have an entire you know clan council dedicated Does the game respond to stuff like oh, that 100% Oh, we're wow. so we're worshiping death. Because well, now. the thing is, the goal is actually to have somebody from every religious background on your council, or a mix of yeah. them, because different things will come up that way, mm-hmm. right? Which is like, oh, because we have someone from um, Errol or El- Elrol, who's like the horse, the not the horse god, but like the god of all horsemen and cavaliers. Okay. Like sometimes you'll be blessed on, like a horse on god. Yeah, yeah, right. We blessed on the battlefield, yeah. um, or if you, you know, there are times when excuse me, <coughs> someone will come through and be like. We're super sick. Oh, God. There's like an entire god that is like the bear god yes. who is the yeah, bear god on. who likes to kill the undead. His, and so he has like, yeah. his like bear brothers, ox brothers. I think they're bear brothers. Are they bear oxes? There might be bear oxes. Okay. Might, mm, they might be. Uh, I, think they're, mm, I think they're all bears. If I remember the At art right, they're definitely. Do you need Papa Bear? Papa, oh. No, you do not. Well. If you go on the right hero quest, you can meet Papa Bear. Oh. The Bear Brothers will come to town, and it's like it's custom to let them come and drink. Because what they do is they just go from place to place, fucking up the undead. Mm-hmm. But are they really doing that, or are they just going from place to place, getting drunk and, and so, telling stories? And telling stories, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so you go to your council, and you, you mouse over each of the council members. You know, you're the guy who's like uh, kind of associated with them by associ- you know, by by closeness, but he doesn't worship them. It's like, oh, we of course we honor our bear brothers, and then and then the the you know wise cow mother uh, uh, worshiper is like, mm, you know, let them drink a little bit, but then tell them we ran out, so then they move on to another town. Oh, okay. And the trickster god is like, oh, it's good to play tricks on people sometimes. <laughs> so give them, you know, uh, tell give them water and give tell them. them Right, give them modules, exactly, and tell them that it's it's all literally the type of thing. And so even your own council is constantly bickering over what to do. Um, it's really fucking good. Like, look it up. It's called King of Dragon Pass. And I think that's probably maybe the outlier in the other way, which is like, that's the one for me that is, it's not going to be on anybody's list. It's a sure. weird game that came out in 1999. It never comes up in conversation. Uh, the, it would be, it would, I, I assure you it would make a three moves ahead top ten. Somebody someone else. Someone would like, push it in. Troy would, Troy would like, do it. You're right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, there's a sequel coming called Six Ages that I'm that I'm so excited for. It doesn't have a release a date A 20-year sequel? Uh, like, I mean, 1999, so 30-year sequel? No, 99 is, yeah. It's almost 20, 20 years. 20 years. Is next this year. just like people inspired by it? or like No, 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 no. It's the same. There's a hundred percent connectivity with the with the yeah a hundred. Well, no, they have not been working on it for twenty years. They're just like they left it, right? right. And then they're coming back. back. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Um, So again, that's King of Dragon Pass. Wow, both of my I'm like ready to start fucking playing that right now. I know, me too, dude. It's so good. You should at least look at some art and some videos of it. It's. It, you know what it is? Once like, we wipe out the slave people, we should play this. Totally, 100%. And also, here's the other thing, yeah. is if you left God of War being like, I wish they did more with mythology and just like, like obviously, it's not Norse mythology. It's very clearly Norse-inspired mythology. Um, but like, if you are the sort of person who plays those games and is like, oh, I really love the, I really love myths and I really love the stories of gods. I really love how there are different interpretations of the stories of gods. Like, 
one last thing on this game, and, I'll, and then I'll stop. Yeah, no, it's good. Every once in a while, it's wise of you to do a hero quest, which is, again, you're reenacting one of the myths that you know as a people. You've had to spend time researching the myths and, like, trading with other cultures and learning the myths and, like, piecing them together. And eventually you kind of get a document that is like, here's the myth. Then you send someone – again, you, you all do a bunch of drugs because you're all, like – You know, you're all out in the woods doing drugs. It's a festival. And you're like, <laughs> we're going to push someone into the spirit realm. And again, the game never really – it might be the case that just everyone is high out their minds and are all LARPing. But you could also have pushed, you know, Janella into the spirit realm where she is going to re, you know, uh, uh, kind of reenact the great story of the cow mother going into the underworld and facing her terrible sisters and coming back up with whatever the thing is she retrieves from, from the underworld. Um, or Orloth, you know, facing down the devil wind or whatever, right? And so they reenact it, and it's a multi, it's a, it's a kind of choose your own adventure, or it's not a choose your own adventure. It's like a multi choice like thing where it's like you, you have to. The goal is to go through and say like, okay, at this part of the stage, what did the cow mother do? Oh, she let the wolves bite her until they had her fill, until they had their fill, and then she continued on her journey. And then it's like you get a picture of the wolves attacking, and like, well, are wolves attacking your person or what? And like, it rolls the dice based on their stats, and like, do they make it through or? not and one of the coolest things is you know if you replicate the the myth as it is you get something cool and then you you get to like you come back out and everyone celebrates oh the cow mother came back and janella is now like she she walked the path of the cow mother and now she's now our soil is good for the next you know four you know um, seasons or whatever right or you get down there and you can be like oh i don't want the soil to be good i want a dope sword i want a clay pot that's always filled with wine I'm going to change – or, like, you get to the wolves, you're like, no, I'm going to stomp on the wolves. Huh. And there's a chance that, like, it's like, oh, well, that's not what happened. Uh, the, the hero quest fails. <laughs> there's a chance if the magic is blowing the right way that day. If you know what I'm talking about, the magic is yeah, blowing the right way. Yeah, when the magic is blowing, you're right. Yeah. Um, wow. The myth just changes course, and you rewrite the myth, in a sense, into your own clan's version of it. Um, and it's like, wow, that's awesome, and is not in any other game about mythology. It understands that myths are living and are, are you know, even Constantly inside of worlds evolving. where there are gods and goddesses and centaurs that you fight. Um, also, the elves fucking suck in that game, but I like it in games Good. when elves suck. It's like a cool thing to be like, yo, mm, those elves they're are the worst. They're the, ooh. Shitty elves. Shitty. I love shitty elves so much. <laughs> All right, so I'm done talking about King of Dragon Pass. I love shitty elves. We should, the we thing should. on Steam is that's King of Dragon Pass. That I is King of Dragon that. Pass. Just... Don't buy it yet. Let me make sure that it's like in a good state first. Uh, it's definitely on iPad, and that version is a hundred percent good. Okay, it's a very good iPad game. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. I'm very intrigued by all of this. Me too, and I know this game, so... (laughs) So while while Austin gets us a definitive answer on whether or not this version is good, uh, <laughs> yes, Danielle, what's yeah. your uh, top thirty? Yeah, it's around that. Um, let's see. There's a pretty obvious through line to most of my games on here. I'm just gonna go through the sort of top ten 
uh, that has some asterisks. And then I'll give you my honorable mentions very quickly. Are we ready? This yes. is generally in order from one to ten, but okay. it's not it's not a hard order, but it's a general order. Ahem. Psychonauts, mm-hmm. Bioshock, mm-hmm. Prey, Donkey Kong Country, in parentheses, maybe all of them. But if you really want the order, it's probably What's the one you would pick? two, three, tropical freeze, one returns. Banjo Kazooie. Okay. Gone Home. Anodyne. Majora's Mask slash Wind Waker. Those are two different no, games. No, it's, it's one They're like wildly different Mass games. Effect 2 and Super Mario 64. And then here are the close contenders for today. Fez, Mario Kart 64, Into the Breach, Breath of the Wild, Soma, Crazy Taxi 1 and 2, Diddy Kong Racing, and Brutal Legend. We can focus only on the top ten, and we can talk about the other things later. Uh, so Tropical Freeze is definitively not the best one. I think it might be the best uh, designed one. I think it might be if you're if you're talking about like the craft versus my personal favorite. It it might we're not, not be my... about appreciation. We're talking about love. Yeah, we're talking about love, which is why it's very difficult to unpack the order for me of the Donkey Kong Country games because I loved them so much and they were so formative. But I recognize that Tropical Freeze is the best designed game. I think it is phenomenal and it is definitely up there on my top ten list. But I have a very hard time. This is why I put Donkey Kong Country and maybe all of them as my as my number four list pick. <laughs> but it probably does come down between one and Tropical Freeze for you? Uh, two or three. Two or Tropical three were the top ones for you, yeah. right? Okay, two, three. I thought three, was, I thought three was not well regarded. No, Patrick thinks it sucks, but I love three. It has all these adventure elements. It's really, really fun. Uh, it has maybe the wildest art out of all three of those games. So I, I love three. Patrick doesn't like three. He's the one who doesn't like three. Okay. For the record, you know, I love it. So what do you think the outlier is in that set? I actually think the outlier is Mass Effect 2 uh, because of the way you move in that game. Now, also, Ooh. note, Gone Home is also on here, and that's like a slower-paced game, a more story-based yeah, game. Yeah. I feel actually like they're why I love Mass Effect 2 as much as I do and Gone Home are of a piece, for Ooh. sure. And it's just gay, 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 gay. I played Mass Effect 2 as, like, this was the very Ooh. first game. right. I ever played where I could play as a queer space lady. Who did you romance? Um, See, that's the thing. I'll tell a very quick story. I'll make it very brief. I played Mass Effect 2 in 2010, right when it came out. I had never played the first one. I fell so hard in love with this game. I played it for like 55 hours. I did every single, every little thing. I went on the the not even really a date with your like ship assistant lady, but I was just Uh so excited that I could go on a date with a lady that I I was like over the moon for this game. I went back immediately Played through one, Romance mm-hmm, Liara, mm-hmm. Uh, and then immediately after that, played two again. So mm-hmm. I played two, one, two in rapid succession, never taking a break for like a day, for months out of 2010. Right. Because of how much I loved the it's fact great. that I could play as a cool space lesbian. And then, of course, I continued my romance with Liara and Shadow Broker, the Mass Effect 2 DLC. Okay, that makes sense. So okay. I like, it's slightly complicated. The answer is Liara. It was also, what's his face, the really hot, uh, Jacob. I I romanced him the first time around uh, because I didn't have any real lady options the first time when that game first launched. That's the thing is, like, there are women in that game who, in my memory, like, it's wild to me that Jack is not. She's bi, but, like, you can't can't romance her her. as a woman. Right, as a woman, yeah, exactly. Sucks. Such bullshit. Um, So, like, that's the one also for me that I look back on. I'm like, missed opportunity, missed opportunity, missed opportunity. But I loved it so much at the time that it still deserves a place on this list. When you can date Liara by the time – oh, yeah, you didn't play one previously. Right. Gotcha. One almost makes my list. Yeah, I I think one is probably the best 
game in that series when the, you're looking back. Obviously, it's a little, yeah. it's a little broken. It's, it's a little janky. It's, it would fit my list. Of, it would fit your list of for sure. Broken fucking game. The I last love. act of that game though makes up. Yeah, for oh, a it's lot so good. It's not even just that last. It, it is the last act. The last act is incredible. Yeah, but well, like, I count everything from Veermeyer through to the day uh, Okay, like, then yeah. basically okay. like yes, yeah. Veermeyer yeah. forward is just a plus all the way. Oh, Fucking meeting Sovereign for the first time ah. is so good. Um, that whole game is just... Coming to yeah. the, the tomb yeah. of the Pro- uh, Protheans. Yeah. Yep. Um, and they all thought they were going to ride this out. <sighs> they did. That's all they thought it was going to be. No big deal. They left, uh, you know, they left a little bit for us. Yeah. I guess. Did you f- ever finish the series, Daniel? Yeah, I did. Okay. I did. did you play- and I liked I three. Didn't. I liked three. I liked three. Uh, you didn't, Rob. You should finish that series at some point. I mean, I never played yeah, I mean, Andromeda, if that's what you mean. But, no, like, I, I, I played the th- first three games. Yeah. I really wish I'd liked Andromeda, even if I liked it, even if I liked it and it was bad. Do you know what I mean? I kind of still feel tempted to play that you game. You should play it. I honestly feel it. tempted sometimes to play it. There's. I've been intrigued. Like, Rich Stanton has been pretty. Like, he feels the game got a bit of a raw deal. Like, it's underrated as a Mass Effect narrative. I. Um, and I've seen that in a few other places. Like, that. I don't agree. It sounds like there's just too much bullshit there's stuffed so in. So much bullshit yeah. stuffed in. It it has some cool ideas. Yeah. But they are between like I think that the there are a handful of main story missions that have cool ideas specifically, but the structure of the game and the the pacing and the lack of characterization around yeah. certain characters is such a bummer and just like it never feels it neither feels like a frontier nor like an inhabited world mm. um mm. and i think the biggest mistake was just they had the opportunity to remake mass effect 1 in a sense yeah. to they went to a new galaxy and in the wild west to have it be like oh yeah. wow or not even just like in in terms of the actual moment to moment experience of playing the game mass effect 1 is a game where you are uncovering new stuff for you the player constantly who are the Hanar? Who are these weird jellyfish people? What's up with these, like, the Elcor? Like, what's up with, what's going on with this crime syndicate? Like, what's going on over here with the, with the, the Reapers? What's going on with, like, between the Geth and the, and the Quarians? And that, like, represents a great deal of setting, building work and, like, and, like, creating a, a new universe. And they had the opportunity to do that again with Andromeda. And instead, they introduced two new cultures and, like, neither of them is particularly interesting. Yeah. Um, or they're fine. They would be fine if they were two in a set of seven or two in a set of five. But they're, when they're only the two and one of them is just the bad guy faction, <laughs> it's just rough. It's just you don't get any of that scratch. You don't get to scratch any of that itch, rather, um, which is just such a fucking shame. Yeah. Because... Did either of you ever play the Soulless Project? No. No. So that's a like first person exploration adventure game. Um, I need to go back to it because I think they fit. I was. I saw. I played it in early access, and there were some rough edges. But like, uh, oh, it is this. a you are marooned on a distant planet, uh-huh. and it is, and it it feels bizarre and alien in a way very few space games actually do. It feels oh. odd and spooky and haunted in some of the ways that like um, some sci- some good sci fi horror does. Right? right, there's a little bit of uh, what what it feels like outside the Nostromo in Alien. Huh. Uh, yeah. Or there's a little bit of 2001. Um, right. Where the sky is profoundly different and odd and strange, the movements of the uh-huh. planets. But then you're uncovering the, this evidence that, like, 
oh, there's an entire civilization here that went extinct. Mm. Um, but in the meantime, you're also struggling with a lot of survival uh, issues and trying to sort of link back up with your research team. Right. Uh, and I think that's kind of... One, it's, just, it's kind of a cool thing. It's uh, it, it's worth looking at just for how well it evokes some of that vibe. But I think it's also getting at some of what I would want from... If your premise is we've journeyed beyond the farthest imagined frontiers to a place where everything is literally alien. Like, not, there's nothing... There, there's no connection back to Earth or what we've known before. Um, that should feel scary. Yeah. And almost oppressive. And Souls Project does for a lot of it. Right. I actually um, did... I didn't play that game, but Vinny at Giant Bomb and I did a quick look of it where he played. And again, very much like you said, like we played it when it was unfinished and a little rougher. Yeah. Um, but there was something there and there was a moment when... We were like, for whatever reason, we like got way off the beaten path and like up in this very high um, plateau of these almost like basalt columns, like these very yep. like geometric mm-hmm. huge columns, um, octagonal, octagonal. I always say octagonal because my brain works that way, octagonal columns. Um, and this storm rolled in that neither of us expected. That was the loudest thing. We were both scared. Like we were both like shook. By the intensity of the storm, um, and it was like definitely one of those moments. Like, oh, this game might have something uh, mm-hmm. on top of the, the interesting sci-fi like stuff that was going on. Um, a game that might also be able to do some of that stuff. Not the storm so much, but the like sci-fi alien mystery that's coming out soon is Outer Wilds, which Ooh. I played at PAX and talked about at PAX. Um, so just keep your eyes on Outer Wilds. Is what I'll say. I want to try both of those. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, if I Look at my list. I definitely yeah. see a couple of through lines. One of them is moving beautifully through like gorgeous, right. beautiful places. That's and definitely it feels the Donkey Kong so Country. That's the dis- Banjo Kazooie, Mario sixty four. No, Dishonored's Dishonored's not, not on actually there. on. Okay, but Prey is. But Prey is. Prey sure is. Yeah. So is Bioshock. Yeah, but Prey so is Bioshock. Doesn't so have that same Bioshock. like fun movement stuff, right? Yes, it does. I think it does. Okay. I think it does personally. I, you're sorry, you're right, especially if you got weird with the glue gun. And like started okay. like dropping. I was all thinking of sorry. I was not thinking of traversal. I was thinking of movement. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, I was thinking there are different the, types like, of movement. Yeah, You're totally, totally right. There are different totally, types totally. of yeah. of like a, an adjacent concept. Uh-huh. But for sure, for sure. Sorry to say adjacent again. <laughs> uh, Majora's Mask and Wind Waker are just my two favorite Zelda games, and I think they're both gorgeous. And they say they are one is like the depressing version and one is like the happy version and they're mm. both the weird Zelda you right, know, in a right. lot of ways. Until Breath of the Wild came in and again like Breath of the Wild's probably going to be on this in list 3 years or something. At some point exactly. It'll just be this this this. It'll just be Majora's Mask slash Wind Waker slash Breath of the Wild because right. I cheat and I don't care. Um the one that's probably not on most other people's list would be Anodyne, which is basically right. a truly great my favorite 2d zelda i say that all the time mm-hmm. uh but much weirder much darker much more like introspective it was a tiny indie project i think that's a beautiful beautiful game uh that does a lot of things really super well the only thing i'm sort of shocked at in terms of omission is that there's no like adventure games or yeah, puzzle say, there's games, no adventure games there's no puzzle games i think puzzle games is a tough one because puzzle games are games that like devour your time yeah. but are also Maybe Into the Breach. If we, for people like us who play a bunch of like narrative driven games yeah. where it's so easy to remember character, yeah. um, or or who are playing um, strategic games where it's so easy to, to remember anecdote, 
puzzle games are like pure mechanics, and like I definitely there are definitely puzzle games that I've lost more hours to than some of the games on my list. But it's hard to recall them and recall the joy of them to be like, oh right, that has to be on this list because X Y Z like mm, like that, mm, it does it should it's almost unfair to them that they're not yeah in some ways. Yeah, that's that's a really good point for sure. But yeah, Into the Breach. Is I almost close. feel like Into the Breach might be in there, and that's again, that's one that's probably going to be in this top ten one day. Uh, it's it's in the honorable mentions right now for sure. Um, and Banjo Kazooie and Mario sixty four so good. I I have a weird like twinning in this almost, or you know, Psychonauts pretty much sits at the top uh, because I, that is sort of an adventure that game has in a lot of ways. Gamey elements, it's right? very adventure gamey. It's like twenty percent adventure game, eighty percent platformer. It's just colorful and funny and weird, and just captures the the things I love in a game, which is moving mm. beautifully through weird and beautiful worlds and and finding a lot of things to be excited about and think about when right. I'm not playing it. That right. kind of thing. So. Yeah, I feel like all of our lists are very us. Like, yeah, but that's fine. I no, think, that's I, I think probably, it's a good thing. I'm saying, like, yeah. that's a positive thing. Like, I'm I'm it, excited to hear about them. It's one know? of those things that definitely speaks to the... It speaks to some of my frustrations with, like, greatest of all time lists. Oh, yeah. And in, in their homogeny and, like, the boiled, the boiled downedness of them. Of, like, you know, between us, that game, like, TIE Fighter would make that list before King of Dragon Passwood. And that's, I like TIE Fighter a lot. Um, you know, uh, it stands off the edges, though. Totally. It stands off the edges. Exactly. Stuff. Anodyne probably wouldn't make that list, which is, a, which is a shame. But like, oh, only Danielle played that game. Right. So, of course. you know, it's, that's a tough thing to, to deal with. Like, it's why those lists are really hard to make and why they're often very easy to make fun of. Uh, it's sure. just like, none of our personal lists will look like that. Or if they did, it would suggest something very, very, it would suggest something about the scope of our interest or the scope of our of our access or the scope of our like time spent outside of the realms of like a very specific space yes you know um, yeah that's why it's fun to talk about, about other people's sorry. what sorry. do you what do you hate about other people's lists rob <laughs> when they're all a little bit to what's happened lately mm. like what do what is front of mind yeah um like I mean, I think for for me, and I wasn't I wasn't trying to do this, but the the only game I think in the last five years on on my top ten is like Dishonored. Um, and even that, but, that was what twenty eleven. I think it's more recent than that. Ooh. I think it's like within the last five years. Maybe twenty twelve. Actually, I'm pretty sure it might be twenty twelve. Which was this? Just the first Dishonored. Oh, Dishonored. Yeah, twenty eleven sounds right. Twenty twelve. It is twenty twelve. It was after. Okay. It was after. It was a year after Deus Ex. So not even quite. Back. It's actually over five years. Jeez. Yeah. Look um, at you. Yeah. Yeah, but like, <laughs> I think sometimes best of all time lists can end up being a little bit excessively like another example of the way we worship the new in this industry mm -hmm. and the way we have this idea that like ah but like there is meaningful progress being made in this <laughs> creative and expressive medium <laughs> and like to an extent that there's there's truth to the the technical underpinnings of a lot of games but i really don't buy like i get very skeptical when like a lot of the best of all time games appear to be fairly recent examples of like genre leaders so like, like that's so like seeing something like Mario Odyssey on a best of all time list would shake you. It would, make me, it would shake me for a couple of reasons. 
I don't think there's perspective on it yet. Mm. Yeah. Like I like like me like and that's uh, that seems very presumptuous. It's like me saying like Austin I don't really think you know how you're going to feel about Breath of the Wild right. in a couple of years, which to an extent, duh. Like, of course Obviously, not. you right. don't know how you're right. going to feel about that. Right, because well, that, the, the thing there is like, yeah, and that's why it's a provisional list representing my feelings today. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, and not a, an end. Not a, like, it will always be deferred. We'll always come back around. We'll always come back and re-evaluate re, uh, re, um, it. And except here's the thing. I think that there I – mean, here's a counter argument for a personal list not relying too much on the old. Which is okay. two things. One, um, I think that there is often a a bias to the old without reevaluation, mm-hmm. right? Um, I say Tie Fighter is on my list. I haven't fucking played Tie Fighter in a decade. I loved it. I remember loving it. I've not. Uh, my critical tool set is so much more developed than the last time I played Tie Fighter. And so while I remember great things about the Thrawn storyline, while I remember great things about the power management and the and the the uh, mission design, I haven't reevaluated those things. Let alone reevaluated them in a broader context of space sims, in a broader context both then and now of, of what um, kind of arcadey simulation looks like. There's all sorts of ways in which that the old it has like champion's advantage, has a higher seating because yeah. you just say like, oh, well, like Mario 64 invented the 3D camera. So blah, blah, blah. So it makes the list, right? And I'm not... You can't compare LeBron to Jordan. Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Jordan go. played in the time of legends. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it, right? And yeah. so, so that's one. But two... There is something valuable on rushing to put something on one of these lists. Maybe not at the very top, but to say, God damn it, I fucking love Breath of the Wild. Let me enshrine it so that later, when I revisit this, it one will have already been rewarded once for the way it made me feel, but two, gains a little bit of that champion's advantage. And, you know, maybe be careful about where you hand that out. Um, but like Danielle putting Anodyne on that list means that three years from now, she can look back and say, three years ago, I said one of my favorite games of all time was Anodyne. And that like m- puts a little chisel mark next to it yeah. that lets it hang on a little tighter in that list in the future and ideally introduces it to some people who wouldn't otherwise see it. Yeah. Um, so well, I, I was I was thinking about a lot of this when I when I, you know, on this list right here as of today, Prey is number three. Right. on this list. Right. That game is a year old. Like, it's only been out for a right. year, for sure. Like, I definitely kind of thought about that, that, like, all right, if, have I really, am I just doing the thing that I do? You know, is this is this a this very like Danielle your... list in that way as well, where I'm doing the thing that I do, where I'm, like, championing so hard for this thing that mm-hmm. I love? Um, but I'm also really fine with that. I'm fine with my right. list saying mm-hmm. these things and saying whatever values they say, right? right? Like, I'm okay with it being that as well, you know? Mm-hmm. I think there's also something that's, interesting which is once you start looking at those lists the thing that's on it becomes there's there's value in being like here is a snapshot of how we felt about games in 2015 in which maybe dark souls makes that list right dark souls didn't make my list today if you'd gone back a few years and asked me if dark souls 2 or, or you know another dark souls game would have made that that list it might have and then that list becomes uh, a valuable document of of a snapshot of where my personal list, at least, would be at. You know what I mean? Um, Red Dead didn't make this list. Mm. Two years ago, it might have, hmm. in a weird way. Three years ago, it might have. But the space for open world games has changed so much that it doesn't make the list today. And that's, like, I don't know. I think as long as we're, we're thinking about these lists that way, um, which I don't think dismisses what Rob is saying either. Right. right? Not at all. 
Um, what is the sweet spot for you when you're like, all right, it's old enough. I can put it on a list now. <laughs> no, I think uh, for me, at least it's more, I've had like, it just, have I had time to meditate on an experience and have, have I revisited, revisited right. it since my initial playthrough? Sure. Uh, and like every game on this list, like, fits those criteria. Uh, I'm not sure. Like, a few years ago, I don't think TIE Fighter would have made the list. Except mm. I replayed huh. TIE Fighter a couple of years ago. Gotcha. Yeah. And I was, like, really stunned by how much better it was than I remembered. <laughs> like, I rem- like, I, like, what I had forgotten is the precision and responsiveness of that game and the way, how good it felt to fly in that game. Right. Like, in my head, I couldn't, I didn't remember that and so when I went back and I revisited revisited the game a couple of years ago. I was like, "Oh shit, no!" Like the Tie Five that exists is actually a way more impressive game than the one that existed in my memory. Uh, so yeah, I, for me, it's just that it's it's that that time and distance where where you get to sort of you know you're you're not in the heat of the moment anymore. You're sort of now just coming at it a little more contemplatively and sort of fitting it into. I think this is a really good exercise, right? Like when you're fit, when you're putting the thing in the entire context of all the games you love mm-hmm. and what you appreciate them, and now sort of juxtaposing, you know, this new contender with some of his old favorites. Right. I think it's a really instructive process. It makes me time. wish our jobs looked different. Um, I mean, I'm sure that's every critic from every medium. Ah, uh, not true. It's yeah. so much easier to listen to music. I was going to say music would be the outlier it's there. It's so much For easier sure. to watch to even watch film in terms of time spent. Oh, yeah. Like how long would it take me to get through enough of Tie Fighter where I felt comfortable reevaluating it and also its peers of its time versus doing the same, especially like ones I hadn't played, yeah. right? Um, Free Space 2 is a game I'd never played uh, and wish I had. And like how long would it take me to do that versus how long would it take me to reevaluate the kind of space opera science fiction of the 70s? Mm-hmm. You know, still a sizable project, 100%. 100% still a sizable, important project. And But, but any single film uh, here, is only going to be up to three hours. Right, exactly. And so think about game, what else yeah. I can do with that time. Yeah. Even if I'm putting 1,000 hours into both projects, 500 hours into both projects, think about what I could do with that extra time when it comes to those films. I could do rewatches. I could I could be you know, investigating the production um, uh, process. I could be looking at, uh, you know, its influences in literature, in music, in in stage plays, in everything else, in comics. Um, it's just one of those things that can be frustrating about working with games. Well, and, like, if you were to go back and, like, I'm going to critically assess, like, I'm gonna look, like, how do I really feel about Mass Effect 1? Right. To actually figure that out, you have to play the entire game. Yeah. Right. You can't go and revisit, like, because those first eight, eight, ten hours of Mass Effect 1, you're going to be like, oof, this is, this is pretty rough. Kind I don't know. It's kind of... Yeah narratively clunky mm-hmm. you don't really know until you finish that game because that's where it's best like parts lie mm-hmm. free space 2 is a similar thing like free space 2 is a great space shooter right but again it's that last act after god knows how many hours where it becomes a masterpiece but like that's not an easy thing to go like oh you got to go and revisit the the end of free space 2 okay 12 hours later <laughs> right yeah. right um, speaking of, I did in the background. I've been looking up stuff on King of Dragon Pass, and there are two versions, and this like speaks to your exact yeah. thing, yep. uh, Rob. Which is there's the GOG version, there's the GOG version, and then there's the Steam version. 
And the Steam version is the same one that's on iPad and Android, I think. Steam version is high res and it has like 48 new events and new illustrations and a new lore map and new advisors and more interesting magical treasures and, you know, some other stuff like that. Um, the, the, uh, the economic system is different. There's like, it's a little less harsh when it comes to like keeping track of your cows and your sheep and Mm. stuff. But like, that's the thing, right? Is like it, um, it, it's a different economic simulation. It's, there are things you can't even fuck with at all anymore. You can't even look at the borders of what your physical, your clan's physical like map location are anymore. It has like a dot on the map that says you're here, but you don't get the, the like, the original game kind of really drew out. Here is your the the borders of your Tula, which is like your your kind of town your township basically. Um, you know, there's no um, there's in in the original game you could choose how many craftspeople you had versus how many farmers versus how many hunters. And so it's a huge distinction. It's a huge yeah. distinction. Yeah. You can't decide how many craftspeople to have. You know, you could play as like a trading clan in the original game. Where you didn't have that many people, you know, farming, but you had a lot of trades, a lot of craftspeople who could make stuff to then trade uh, and make money and then buy the stuff you needed. It's way harder to do that now. Um, and so it's like, well, which is, and there are other events that are missing and some that are added. And, and the, the GOG version is like super low res and the audio is not fucked, but the audio is not good. It's not quite there. <laughs> uh, it's not quite there. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's just like, it is one of those things where it's like, I the the original developers were involved in this in this remake on Steam. I think you should probably buy that version. It's fine. It'll give you the experience I'm talking about. But like, which which is the version that I would evaluate for my list, right? Especially taking into account my first experience with the game before I ever played it was just reading someone else play it for you know thirty hours or whatever. Um, and and so like I even by the time I played my first couple of playthroughs of it had already had a sort of systems understanding in place. Um, this, games are such a weird, unique thing in that way. Uh, that that is, or like think about something like Bloodborne or Dark Souls. Think about something like Demon Souls now, where like the there's an entire system in that game that doesn't exist anymore because the servers are offline. Um, that just like that part's gone, and that probably wasn't going to make or break my joy of my enjoyment of Demon Souls. But that thing is gone now, and that's like a it's a tough thing. It's pretty major, or something right? like the Matrix Online, yeah. something especially oh, online yeah. only games, um, especially so. And know. even thinking about, yeah, briefly, something like the Majora's Mask remake on 3DS right. is definitely a much more sort of playable version. Right. It's prettier. It has a whole Wind sort Waker of, on Switch, Wind too, Waker as right? well on Switch. Yeah, I, I mean, like, they definitely made sort of minor changes in, in terms of, like, a later quest and everything like that. Like, that little bit of trimming, mm-hmm. literally trimming the sails. See, I, I knew there was a Nice work. You did there. it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> really helps. It really does make it a, sort of a more accessible experience. Well, you can so. just... You also can change the wind way earlier. That's right? the thing. Like you right? get the swift sail and yeah, you can yeah, actually yeah. just go fast whatever direction you want to go right, in. It's right. just so much easier and faster. But what's the canonical version of right. the game, right? It's very – and of course speedrunners uh, all have their own opinions. Of course. Because of what glitch in what version of something. Sure. Which is interesting as well. But anyway, I guess that's probably a topic for another for day. For another day, yeah. I am so glad we talked about our favorites today. It was felt good. like a nice – I Hashtag enjoy doing faves. this. Yeah. I enjoy doing this sometimes. Uh, we have some questions, but I think we should probably move on. Yeah, since we, we need to stream still today. And we got other work we to do. Also, we got a big boy. I got to edit too. this podcast. 
we got a big boy. We've got to do all sorts of stuff. So I'm gonna I'm gonna close it down there. Uh, thank you, Austin and Rob, for sharing. Of it was course. like that. Uh, if you have questions, you can send them to questions. Uh, Sorry, gaming at vice.com with the subject questions. As always, shout outs to Bowen for letting us use his track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Thank you to Natalie uh, for producing. She's on the wheels of steel uh, today. That's that old phrase that people used to use in the old podcast and days. <laughs> uh, we're on Twitter at Waypoint. Skip in the house? What? <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's, you know, we're being nostalgic. We're talking about a lot of our old favorites. So, you know. uh, of course, we're on Twitter at Waypoint. We're on Facebook at Waypoint Vice. We're on YouTube at Waypoint Vice. And you can read everything we do at waypoint.vice.com. Rob, where can people find you on the internet? At Rob Zachman on Twitter. Amazing. Austin, where can people find you? Uh, at Austin underscore Walker. You can find me, if you want, at Danielle R.I. Thank you so much for being here and listening to our uh, our show. This was episode 155 of Waypoint Radio, and I would like to tell you to be good and be good at it. Bear Brothers. Peace. <laughs> When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.